the Black Chick Lit Podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Molly. And this month we are discussing Swing Time by Zadie Smith. So, but before we get into that, I just wanted to see how you've been doing. I don't think we've talked post-election. Ah, I don't think we have. <laughs> yeah, I kind of listened back to our echoey episode. <laughs> and, um, we were so full of hope. and We were all full yeah. of hope. Yeah, we had a gala um, for my job the day after, um, and I remember I went to work and I like was feeling really down. And then I saw my boss and he was crying, Aww. and then he looked back at me and I was crying. So it was um, it was kind of a rough day. Yeah, but uh, hmm. I think I heard my coworker crying because mm-hmm. I think she was watching Hillary's concession speech. Uh, and, like, I can't see her at my desk, but I think she was crying. And then I think my boss brought us um, Golden Girl Funko Pop figures to help us through the day. <laughs> and then, my boyfriend just got one of those. <laughs> um, the tall one. Dorothy? I'm not. Yeah, oh. that's his favorite. Oh, we need to get you up to speed on the Golden Girls. I've seen a few episodes. They were funny. But it was, like, one where um, the little dumb one almost got molested or something. Hello? Yeah, okay. Now I can hear you. But yeah, so uh, yeah, that's that's cute. Uh, I, I like I those to, pop figures. Those pop figures. I went to Book Riot Live literally the weekend after it, and it was like kind of sub. Everyone was just kind of subdued, and like yeah. like no con- every conversation everyone started would eventually go back to like the Oompa Loompa that had been elected to lead the nation. <laughs> Yeah, he looks like, uh, I was telling my boyfriend that he looks like a tangerine that, like, um, fell off the shelf <laughs> and then, like, rolled under the fridge and then you find it three days later and it's all nasty. Yeah. I will not insult Cheetos by comparing him to a Cheeto. No. Cheetos, Except, Cheetos have done is it Chester? Chester? Freaky now? Chester the Cheeto? Yeah. He's freaking me out. I don't know what's going on with him. He's freaky, but I'm not going to compare him to Trump. Cheetos have done nothing but be crispy <laughs> and delicious. They don't deserve... Being maligned Fair like enough. That. Fair enough. I know we are off topic, but can I say one thing sure. that is literature related about those Funko Pop figurines now that I have this public platform? Sure. Okay, Funko, if anyone is listening to me, why did you never make a Negan from the comics Funko figurine? I don't know. Why? I don't know who that why? is. Why? Who is that? Why? He's the bad guy from The Walking Dead and my personal hero, <laughs> um, who was recently played by um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan on the TV show. Um, but it's just not the same. Like, I didn't really watch the show, and then I heard my my boy Negan was going to be on, and I was so excited. But, yeah, so now all the Negan mania is going on, but it, it seems like for a different guy, someone I don't even know. Maybe that's the the you know um the pain of loving <laughs> a, a book or something that turns later into uh gets popular in another medium and you feel like who is this guy i don't know him uh, well they'll probably get to him like because funko pop makes like every rando character will get a character we'll get but a it'll be based on the tv show oh, not the book not the book Aww. and i'll be sad i haven't seen but it. that's just my <laughs> I've, nice spiel. I haven't seen any of them. The last Funko Pop figure I got was Black Panther. Oh. And I was like, this is adorable. So we are <laughs> way off topic, but whatever. I needed to check in post-election to see how you were doing. Yeah, obviously I'm trying to distract myself 
Um, but, you know, we've been going to a lot of uh, meetings and I've seen a lot of action, at least here in Southern California, people are really, you know, organizing so that they can meet with resistance when this guy comes into, comes into office. So I'm not as like despairing as I was, um, that first day. Um, but it's still every once in a while I'll see something in the news and it's like, Oh my God, how? I have like this ulcer that gets bigger and I'm like, let's just ignore it. Just ignore it. So yes, let's move on, move on to happier topics. We're talking books today. We're talking books. Swing oh, time. Oh yeah. 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 We're talking swing time, which was, I feel a little, whatever, we'll get into it. <laughs> I am curious to hear how you feel because you, we, you know, we, we talk a little bit beforehand and About why we every time you, book. right. Oh, before we start recording and, um, you know, you've said, you've kind of gone there. You're like, oh, this book. And then you pull the punch. So I'm very curious to know. <laughs> I, I haven't been able to read you on the book yet. So, okay. Like your, uh, My yeah, review. go ahead. So, okay. Yeah, so yeah, I will yeah. just say, first of all, I read this on Audible, which mm-hmm. is not my preferred method of doing it. I've never read anything <laughs> this literary on Audible. And I don't think I'll do it again because I'm just lost. I need to visually see it with my eyes. Mm to take it Mm -hmm. in and there's so much happening in this book that like an hour would pass and I'd realize I had no idea what was happening (laughs) I will say this though it was not a terrible book it was not the book that I think it was advertised as it is Uh... I think if you recall it is promoted as this book we'll get into the synopsis later but I guess this is just our general reactions but it is promoted as a book that is tells the story of like this childhood or this friendship between two childhood friends Tracy and our narrator, who was never named, so we're just gonna have to call her the narrator. And mm-hmm. how one of how our narrator is sort of not good at dance, but Tracy Tracy is naturally gifted, and they sort of grow up and diverge. And that sounds great, and I love the parts that dealt with her and Tracy. But once you get into it and you read it, Tracy is no more important than any of the other characters in the book. Yeah, Tracy really falls away about halfway through the book, and it becomes like a third. I don't even think we make it yeah. halfway where she's still, yeah. And then she kind of reappears later, but she never, she is not as important as kind of the, the like you said, the synopsis uh, made her out to be. Mm-hmm. And so her mother is about probably as equally important and her boss, <laughs> Amy, is about as equally as important. So, right. So yeah, I wish, I wish the parts that were about her and Tracy, I loved. And I wish we had gotten more of that. But, mm. so that's it. It wasn't terrible. And I was also listening it, listening to it as opposed to reading it, which just irritated me. So my enthusiasm is sort of dampened. For the book or for um, for Zadie Smith or for Audible? For the, well, definitely for Audible. <laughs> I canceled my Audible. Like, I did that. Or I, I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> um, Zadie Smith, I'll give another go because I don't think it's fair to judge her on this Audible. And I don't know, maybe the narrator. Sometimes I get irritated at the narrators mm-hmm. and then that affects me reading the book mm. so like she was okay but she was trying too hard for all these accents <laughs> so and i'll have to give zadie smith another read and i think i may have to give this book another read but mm. first like taking it in this first time mm-hmm. yeah i i don't love it as much as i thought i would mm. how about you i actually liked it more than i thought i was going to like it 
And um, I actually liked the parts that weren't about Tracy. So all the stuff about the village and um, the foundation work, I really actually enjoyed. (laughs) So I think that we just had, and I, so I bought the book and then um, I think maybe a week ago, Danielle um, emailed me and she said, hey, let's do the recording this weekend. And I was like, oh shit. So um, yes, I like the book more than I thought that I would. Um, Like I said, I think last month I hadn't really read any um, Zadie Smith before. I got two pages into White Teeth and then, I don't know, a bird flew past the window and I got (laughs) distracted and never picked it back up. Um, And uh, we were talking about her a little bit before we started recording and um, I had just kind of heard that maybe she was a little bougie. <laughs> um, and so I, I I definitely went into reading the book like, oh, from the things that I've heard. But I, I found her to be very engaging. And I liked, um, I liked a lot of uh, the style of her writing. And I liked the dialogue. Uh, so maybe because I had lower expectations coming in. <laughs> and because I'm definitely not any kind of dancer or musical person. <laughs> Um, she wasn't letting me down. Like she could only go up. I know that sounds so like stuck up, like, oh, Zadie Smith better impress me. <laughs> but, you know, I spent $15 on this book, so. Like, yeah, nobody wants to read a book and have it be terrible. Right. Uh, I also was like, is she bougie or is she just British? Like, I don't know. Who I don't know. Like, you know, so, um, certain authors, I think, get held up all the time as, oh, this person is so wonderful. This person is so wonderful. And the people who you usually see that that level of praise for, I think I'm thinking of our friend um, uh, Franzen. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Franzen. You know, usually they're, I, I'll just be honest, like, I don't think that they're any more talented than, you know, some of the other people writing right now, but they they're... There are these media darlings who you hear about right. a lot, but I don't know that it's any, that they're naturally any better. So I, was, I came in right. kind of skeptical, um, which I think helped out in the long run. <laughs> also, you got to read it. We switched this time. We I did. Read the print, yeah, I have the book the right here. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of reviews. <laughs> so I was like, I have no, I have no, I have to make notes and I like really have nothing to go back to because usually I read and I make notes and I, and, uh, and highlight things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the whole experience was dis- disoriented. <laughs> so, so let's get into it. I will read a copy of the synopsis that I straight up stole from NPR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel okay. I donate to NPR. They're tax funded. It's fine. I'm crediting. Work smarter, will, not harder. Exactly. I'll include a link to their review. Their review was less of a review and actually more of just a like, this is what happens in this book. I looked up some other reviews. The New York Times was not that impressed. Right. Um, I looked that one up too, and they they were kind of like, meh. Yeah. They called it a clumsy novel. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> that's kind of harsh. And like, I don't know what, the New York Times book section is just full of some like white nonsense sometimes. Like, I don't know what's <laughs> happening over there. And I was mad that I had to agree with them. I was like, yeah, it is kind of. Yeah. yeah. So, um, the US, USA Today loved it, and The Guardian loved it. So. And I actually went and checked the LitHub bookmark site. Have you heard of that? I have not. It's supposed to be 
the Rotten Tomatoes of um the Rotten Tomatoes of the book world. Oh, what did they say? It has an A minus really? on bookmarks. Mm. So the general consensus seems to be that everyone loves it. But <laughs> they don't they're also not as good as Rotten Tomatoes because you can't see who loves it. They just say, here are the people who reviewed it, and here's like a really long uh, synopsis of So their you don't reviews. know if any shells are in there. Well, yeah, and you can't tell well you can't they just list all of them they don't say well this person liked it this person didn't you have right. to sort of go through and read each one to figure that out uh, so already so i will go ahead and just read the synopsis i ripped off of ah i ripped off of npr, NPR. yes my computer was making noises so <laughs> shut it up. all right so so two brown girls from North Count, from North London council estates want to be dancers. One, Tracy, is a natural dancer, intuitive, genius even. The other, our narrator, is talented in another direction. She is an observer, a wallflower given structure by stronger, shorter women around her. As the two grow older, their lives diverge. The narrator goes to university and becomes an assistant to a pop star, living a detached life on planes and in rented townhouses. Tracy, after a few gigs as a dancer, fades back into the poverty she came from, and the narrator comes to feel that she has been the sole witness to Tracy's brilliance, expressed in movement and attention and wit and intuition and contempt for pretense. Contempt for pretense. Our narrator's right pop star employer, Amy, seems to be really whoever she wants to be all at once. Rich and white, for her, differences are, quote, never structural or economical, but always essentially differences of personality, end quote. If only other people had her willpower, her determination, and her certainty, Amy thinks that no problem couldn't be solved. She decides to apply this to, to poverty in an unnamed African nation and pours money, ineffectively, into the village, taking African dance moves, an African lover, and an adopted African baby back in exchange. Amy's other foil is the narrator's queenly, righteous, and self-taught mother, a Jamaican Nefertiti with socialist politics and middle-class aesthetics. She sees people structurally and sociologically rather than personally, defined by their culture and color. In London, the narrator is treated like a moral fig leaf by her white colleagues. When she accompanies Amy to West Africa, she imagines she might find an emotional home there with her, quote, extended tribe, with my fellow black women. But here there is no such category. The narrator is just another naive Westerner in wrinkled linen, pseudo-safari garb, who thinks Africa is a monolith. In a final insult, she realizes that all of her African friends think she is actually white, complimenting her for dancing as well as a black person. When the narrator is enveloped in an Amy-related scandal, Tracy leaks a humiliating video of the, the two of them made in childhood to the press. She sends it to the narrator with a note reading, Now everyone knows who you really are. Tracy means her nerd to be cruel, but it is also a promise. Through all the, through all the, ah, through all the differences in identity and time, someone might still know who you really are. End of synopsis. So yeah, that was. I think they did a pretty neat job of summarizing. Interesting. All that happens. Because I took issue with a lot of what they said. With NPR. Yeah, I thought that this synopsis was a little off in some places. Well, I feel. Well, go ahead because <laughs> I don't know. All of these, like I read it, and mm -hmm. I know everything that happened. Mm -hmm. I know she went to. Africa and her, the relationship with her mother. And mm -hmm. I agree with a lot of the, I agree on the top level with what the synopsis says. So yes. I'm curious in what your difference, yes. what so you find different. I, I agree with the, like you said, the top level. Um, but when they get down to some of the, um, 
maybe deeper motivations of the characters and some of the meaning and you know this is just my interpretation of some of the things that they did I don't know that they were quite right like um you know they say oh the final insult um that the people in this village their final insult of our narrator is that they think she's white but isn't she mixed like, she is mixed yeah that's so fair. it's kind of like uh, you know and she she has this identity of being a mixed person like um you know she's she her mixed identity is very central to her character to so so to say that it's an insult that they're calling her white even that that particular scene where her friend Hawa says oh you dance so well for a white person mm-hmm. I, you dance like you are black Right. And it's kind of like, well, that's more complicated than just saying it's an outright insult. And I think that, you know, it's not meant to be, obviously there are layers to that statement. So I think just Mm -hmm. saying, oh, you know, they insulted her by saying that is not taking into account um, some of the things that this narrator has said before. And I'll get it more into that, um, you know, her interpretation of you know, she says it in the book, like a tragic mulatto character later, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, and then there was another... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say not to defend NPR or whatever, uh-huh. but I think they meant insult in that she thought she was a part... By the time that I think that line is said, she's visited Africa maybe three or four times. Right. She's made multiple trips, and I think she felt that they were all... Or she sort of identified. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of was reminded to her, well, you're not... She's not... African, no matter who she is, she's still a Westerner. So, but I do see what you're saying too about how, well, she is part black and she is part white, and it is more complicated than just saying it is an insult is a probably a poor choice of words. Right. And then they say, um, what was that line? I opened it up um, <laughs> where they say, you know, Tracy's so talented, blah, blah, blah. And then they say the narrator has different talents like she's this great like observer observer i thought she was also supposed to be able to sing yeah she could sing which kind of fell out but i didn't think she was that great of an observer like (laughs) i thought she missed a whole bunch of things and she really was not a good judge of character (laughs) i will say this i feel like the narrator is probably the weakest developed character of everyone we read even like burn the random guy who was like hitting on her yes or who said he loved her was more was better developed even the orderly at the end of the book when her mother was in the oh hospice, yeah Al- what was I his name like- alan <laughs> <laughs> in the end of the book her mother is in a hospice because she's dying and like she's just really infatuated with her she uh, really loves nurse. this guy <laughs> and, and he's like alan cunning or something, something yeah different. she always says his name and he's like his awesome like he's like alan pennington Best. And he like strolls in there. Everyone loves Alan Pennington. <laughs> great Alan Pennington. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like I know more about him. He left a bigger like mark on my mind than our narrator did. Our narrator just sort of she just kind of floats drifts. through, and she doesn't for long portions of the book. It seems like she doesn't, and that goes back to when they say, "Oh, she's this great observer." Like, she doesn't even really seem to think about the people in her life so much as just narrate what they do for a very long time. Like, I don't think it's till the end when she kind of self-destructs, you know, this whole charade, which we'll get into the plot. Um, 
like it isn't until the end that she actually makes any kind of comment or tells us what she's thinking about these people. It's just like, Amy did this, Tracy did that. I was there too, but in the background. So for them to say she was gifted as an observer, it's kind of like, was she? And sometimes I wonder if that's like a weakness that comes with like a first person narration, because we do see like all of their hesitancies and their insecurities. So I don't know, like maybe, I don't know, maybe knowing too much about the narrator because I don't know, but at the same time, if you're a really good writer, you could use that to make your character more defined. Right. So I don't know. It's just, I feel like she's like, I picture her with like one of those Amish dolls. Like I can see her body and uh-huh. her face is completely <laughs> blank and she's just moving about through scenes. Whereas her mother, I can picture her mother vividly. Right. I can even sort of picture Tracy really vividly. Yeah. Amy, I can picture really vividly. The narrator. How uh, I can think of. Fern, I can think of. But the narrator, I yeah. I have no idea what she looks like. Yeah. I, I can't place her. And maybe so, that's, you know, part of being an unnamed character, an unnamed narrator, um, which actually took me a while. I think I texted you. I was like, <laughs> wait, did I miss this girl's name or did they, have they not said it? Because I, she's just such a non-entity in the book mm-hmm. for such a long period of time. Yeah. I only knew she was unnamed because I had read some early reviews before I started. And they're uh, like, our character who was never named. So I'm like, well, good. I don't have to waste time. Because that would have just frustrated me, too. And plus, I wasn't reading it. Right. So I would have been like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So before we move on, because I think an interesting way to discuss this would be, one, let's just go over the plot. And then to go talk about her relationships. Sure. Yeah. All the big relationships. Mm-hmm. So, like, the plot. We start the book. There's this big scandal that we're not told anything about. And then at the end of the book, it's only at the end, like, really, like, the last, what, 60? I can't do pages because I didn't have pages. But yeah. But like the really last, maybe 5% of the book, we find out what the scandal is. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's not that. Yeah, there are actually, and I'm not sure which scandal you're talking about because there are a couple in here. There's so I the, the uh-huh. I was talking about the video. Ah, and I thought you were, so there's the scandal with the video, there's the scandal with the baby, and then there's yes. the scandal with the sex doll. And oh, God, I, I forgot about that one. <laughs> well, at least two of them I thought were not a big deal, as big as the third. Um, I, yeah, the sex thing, first of all, I couldn't tell if that actually happened. Yeah. So Tracy reports to the narrator that, I guess they're going to her house, and so the door is locked, so she gets into that. So our narrator normally gets into the house by going to a side entrance. Uh So for some reason, Tracy's the one who decides to go through the side entrance to unlock the door for them. And while she's down there, she comes back, and apparently she comes back and tells the narrator that she saw the narrator's father having sex with a blow-up doll. Yeah. I'm like, did that really happen, or is she just saying that... Yes, yes. And I do... (laughs) Cruel? I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, so I guess if we go back to the plot, because I definitely want to talk about that. (laughs) Um, So a weird thing that this book does is it moves kind of back and forth in time with several different anchor points. I was listening to this before I realized that's what was happening. There was the very first time I did it... um, uh, because it starts off with them pretty young, um, our narrator and Tracy, and they go to the dance class and it's talking about, you know, the neighborhoods they live in and their parents. And then all of a sudden, without warning, it seems to skip to when the um, the narrator first meets Amy, her future employer, 
at this radio station. And I was like, oh, she got, she met her when she was 11? Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) But yeah, so definitely the time thing, the time jumps confused me initially, but uh, it also makes it harder to explain. Like, I feel like this is the third episode we've done in a row where Mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, I'm sorry if you don't understand what the hell we're talking about. It's because this book, the book keeps going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That was not, it made sense later, I guess, with some of these big reveals that come up, but I don't know that this book was better for being presented in the way it was. I think it could have been the A straight plot. linear narrative? Yes, could have gone chronologically, and I think that it, it, it wouldn't have lost anything, and maybe it would have gained some <laughs> some comprehension for me. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess the scandal, so that was one scandal, which I don't know, I don't know, like, I don't trust Tracy 100% to say that's actually what she saw. But then, yes, at the end, there are the two bigger scandals. One, the baby that Amy adopts. Right. And two, I think the one that is supposed to affect the narrator directly, which is, I think, referenced at the very beginning of the book, is that they have this really embarrassing childhood video they did as girls, where they're dancing inappropriately, yeah, maybe naked. I don't know. I think that they are in uh, like Underwear? some kind of uh, like teddies or what do you call those? Like um, lingerie, lingerie, and I definitely like they were lacy. They look like little dresses, and I think they were like on top of each other or something. Yeah. Um, so she releases that to the press, and it's, like, supposed to be this big scandal, but I'm like... But it's kind of like the, the... But they were kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and, and, like, should you be showing that? Like, ew. It's like, like how do show? you even have that, Tracy? Well, because somebody... The kid was recording it, right? right. They were recording... They were at the birthday party. We see the actual birthday party where the tape is made. Right. We witness it. But then how does she get the tape? That's a very good question. <laughs> So let's let's start at the beginning. Um, yes. So we have our narrator um, who is mixed. She has a black mother and a white father. Her, I felt really bad for her father, by the way. I like, felt so bad for her father. He loved her mother a lot. And then at one point, it's like he tries to read these books to keep up with her, like... <laughs> activism and social activity and he oh poor thing yeah so her mother has aspirations of bouginess um (laughs) she is jamaican and she's kind of um uh you know she keeps saying oh i'm this hard worker like i'm raising this daughter and you would think by the way she talks about later in the book how she brought up the narrator that she's doing it all herself but earlier in you know, the earliest parts of the book, we see the mother like working really hard, studying and doing all the stuff that's really aspirational, but she's really being supported by the father who seems to really love the narrator. He's making her lunches. He's, you know, doing her hair. He's taking her to ballet. Um, he's making all the food and cleaning the house. So it's kind of like, you know, and uh, the narrator's mother also does not work. So it's kind of like uh, you were you were a student, you yeah. know, like you were an older student, but you didn't really have any of the responsibilities that you're claiming later that you did because your husband was there really taking care of everything else and, you know, paying the rent, paying for groceries. Like, I don't, she was talking about this struggle and I was like, girl, I don't see it. Like, right. 
And it's also implied that she really doesn't, from what I can tell, it doesn't seem like she really wants to have a family because no. the narrator talks about at points, I think it's on Saturdays or Sundays, sometime in the weekend where they, she and her father, like, they're basically assigned to leave the house so that the mother can have the house time, like, have quiet time and time for herself. Mm-hmm. And she reports, like, how they came back one time, like, too soon. Like, she wasn't done doing whatever she was doing. She wasn't ready to have to deal with them yet. And she was just, like, they felt so put upon, apparently. Right. So. And it's kind of, I, I like that scene because um, I actually thought the writing and the descriptions of the book were really interesting. So I like this whole scene where they go out and they see the mother's brother, um, the narrator's uncle, um, and she's talking about his garden is so lush and, you know, her relationship to her father. And then they come back and she gets this little glimpse of her mother, um, what her mother's like without her and um, the father. And she gets this little glimpse of her mother happy, like, you know, studying with her feet up on the couch. And then she basically looks up and sees them and like all that happiness <laughs> drains out of them. Like, oh, you're back. <laughs> like, oh, I thought you were going to be gone another 18 years. Yeah. And then later in the book, she talks about how her father was like, he's a family man to his soul. Like, and that's how he thrives off that stuff. Right. So right. that was kind of a neat switch. But um, yeah, at the same time. I felt bad for that man. I felt bad for him. So the mother, she's, you know, she's very intelligent. She's very driven. Um, and the father is kind of like this working class guy. You see that he does work himself up to a manager position in this parcel delivery or newspaper delivery business. Mm-hmm. But um, he's like carrying around the communist manifesto, I think, um, like pretending to read it all the time. Yeah. So like impress the mom. Yeah. yeah. And she just is like that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> and so she goes to the narrator eventually goes to dance class where she meets Tracy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So she and Tracy lives in the same I guess the states, this must be a British thing that I'm not familiar with. I think it's, I like it's like a state. housing project or like yeah, a apartment block. Yeah. And so they live in the same building and so she also They has do not experience. live in the same building. Oh, that's and okay. they make a big deal out of the fact that they do not, because <laughs> Tracy lives in the one that's like a little, mm. and the narrator lives in one that's not much better, but it is better. Okay, see how see how disoriented I am about oh, no. <laughs> like I'm missing up major details. <laughs> but yes, so her she's also mixed though. And yes. I think they are the only brown girls in the building. From yes, what I can tell. yeah. yeah. Um, and so. Her mother is white, and it's implied her father is a backup dancer for Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. So the thing about Tracy is she's got this huge personality, and she's got this really vibrant imagination, but she's really, like, vain, or she really thinks very highly of herself. And the narrator kind of plays into, like, these delusions and these fantasies of hers. So her father is not in the house, which... The narrator's mother is like, of course he's not. Um, <laughs> like the mother is so shady about I Tracy. I kind of love her though. Like, want to hate her, but I'm like, I mean, like the mother, she did she's some so things articulate about it that are totally hilarious to me, which I'll get into after I finish this thought. But she's like, um, yeah, she sees the way that Tracy is dressed, and she's dressed like this little doll with like these like cute little right. clothes on, and. Uh, the narrator's mother is like, mm. <laughs> but Tracy like has all these 
delusions about what her life is. And part of that is that her father's out of the house because he is a backup dancer for Michael Jackson. <laughs> and when they see Thriller, she's like, that's him. And <laughs> the narrator's kind of like, I don't know. And that's kind of the thing about Tracy, right? Like, you don't know from what she says. she says. Yeah, we know that she's a liar. But we also know that she's the only one sometimes to call out the truth of a situation. So it's kind of hard, you know, to know when Tracy's lying, when she's being truthful. And I think that that's, she's an unreliable, (laughs) she's not the narrator, so she can't be an unreliable narrator, but so much of. She's an unreliable character, definitely. Right. But so much of the, of the narrator's kind of thoughts and actions are outsourced to other people in this book. (laughs) That she almost becomes an unreliable narrator because the narrator isn't really doing anything. That's true. So, so much of their early years, you don't know what's true and what's not because they're being filtered through Tracy, who is a liar and later we find out mentally unstable, which I was surprised by that turn. Yeah, and when we follow Tracy, because I think this might be the only way to sort of makes sense of all the timeline. When we follow Tracy to adulthood, she later has a couple of incidences. I feel like Tracy's very wounded, and so she Mm -hmm. tries to hide all that, like, very insecure, and she tries to hide all that with the flashiness. And so she she has dance, which is one thing she is naturally good at, and Mm -hmm. she's superior at it. And so she can use that to sort of, like, rise above her station, but she still is bogged down by, like, these, I guess... She attracts, I guess, people who hurt her. Like, there's one incident where she's... There's two incidents, actually. There's one where Tracy saves the narrator from being felt up in a closet by some boys. But then at one point, Tracy um, is... I think this scene was really confusing for me to hear. Okay. The man was attacking her, or was he helping her? The narrator comes across Tracy and a man, and at first they think the man is attacking her. Right. Trying to, like, I guess sexually assault her, but then it comes to... We come to find out that she is unconscious and suffering an overdose. Right. And that he may actually be trying to help her. Yeah. So they were going to this teen club, which was like way wilder than I guess teen clubs in Missouri were. (laughs) Um, Because the narrator just slept with this random emo guy and they're all getting high. And then they like look over and they see this guy who looks like he's assaulting someone. So the narrator and these two tough girls like run over but then the guy's like shaking this girl violently. And I think he was tra- probably trying to revive her, but yeah. it looked like he was doing it in a really like shitty way, like shaking her and slapping her. I guess what is Tracy? She overdosed on a speedball. So yeah. the narrator's mom comes up and I think that this is a pivotal moment in the book. The mom comes up and she like says, get in the car. Like we're going to the ER right now. They take her to the ER and, you know, Tracy's explaining what happened. And the mom says, oh, something happened to that girl, which is yeah. like the central mystery of Tracy. Like, you can tell that she was molested. Like, you could tell that she was molested and sexually abused as a child. Um, it's all coming together. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, because, okay, uh-huh. I'm sorry. I'm having like an epiphany right now. There is one scene in Africa uh-huh. that Amy t- sort of wants to introduce this clinic uh-huh. like sexual health clinic yes and the narrator again i can't remember how we got here i may have fallen asleep <laughs> but the narrator goes on to this like sort of talk about girls who are everywhere like those girls right who have these big terrible secrets who are everywhere right 
And so, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's all connected. I'm sorry. I'm so ill prepared. No, this. no. This was me like several other times. So. <laughs> um, I think there must be something to say. Like, yeah, read books. Don't look <laughs> But yeah, so uh, she, she was molested and... This goes to one of the other big mysteries in the book that's revealed later. So they had this piano teacher who's this old guy, Mr. Booth, I think. No, I can't quite remember his name. He's kind of a minor character. But he plays piano in the church where they take dance lessons. And um, he, you know, he's very affectionate toward the narrator. And he'll, like, work through songs with her and when she's learning to sing, which actually kind of goes nowhere, even though I thought it would. Yeah. There's uh, a scene where she sings in a bar with Amy. And I thought the whole thing would be that Amy would be mad that she showed her up. Yeah. It's just sort of, she sings in a bar. Yeah. She's it. like, you need more in life. But that's how she gets in, onto the African school project because the, Amy's like, oh, you're you know, obviously unhappy. But it. That was a very good Amy impression, by the way. It sounded <laughs> just like the narrator when she did her Amy impression. Um, so Tracy and her mother kind of insinuate that this Mr. Booth is a molester. And for the longest time, I was like, is he, did he molest Tracy? Like he would have had the opportunity, but it didn't, it didn't quite seem like he did. I didn't think he did either. I thought like, I thought they just wanted him gone and that's how they sort of Right, right. Because they're just kind of awful people. (laughs) And then you get the sense that uh, maybe the narrator's father molested her because you see that they have a close relationship and then later Amy the narrator tells Amy the secret of what happened the secret of what happened and she's so distraught over the secret she basically stops talking to her father and they their relationship is not repaired and he dies and even though he's dead she's still like this horrible thing he did this horrible thing he did I was like oh my god he molested Tracy but no. that's funny because I thought <laughs> Okay, that's funny. Uh-huh. So I thought she, that Tracy, in an effort to hurt the narrator, had sex with the right. father. Right, that's, you know, that that is what I meant. Like, uh, But I couldn't tell if she sex. would have been of age or not. Yeah, I think that, I guess my thought was that he slept with her and she was underaged. Um, oh, okay. And like Something this horrible thing. Yeah, yeah. But no, it, it wasn't that either. He had sex with a blow-up doll, and this was so horrible for her. For, maybe, maybe he had sex with a blow-up maybe doll. Maybe he had sex with a blow-up doll. But is that enough to, like, write your father off forever? I feel I like, like that's feel weird, like, but okay. Like, I don't know what men do in the privacy of their, like, own bedrooms when they need to get off. And really, I wouldn't put that past one. Like, so right. does it, like, men are... I mean, not to be, like, stereotypical, <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, there's a reason those things exist. Right. There's a reason real like, dolls exist. Okay, yeah, sucks with the blow. I think maybe we're supposed to be a little bit more weirded out because it's a black blow-up doll. That did get me weird because I felt like, is he trying to, like, reconnect with, is it, like, supposed to be a substitute for the mother? Right. It's like That a sub- did weird me out. Yeah. And it goes into this larger theme of black women being objectified. Like, mm-hmm. uh, they're playing this game, let's get all, uh, I guess, sexual abuse stuff out, um, in the school, and Tracy and the narrator's oh, yes. school, where the little boys start by, like... Grabbing pussies. Yes, <laughs> you know, it's all trumping. And so at first they do it to all the little girls. Like they're just kind of grabbing them. 
But then it evolves into this thing where they're like, you know, literally inserting their fingers. And that game is reserved for the ethnic girls, like the brown girls. Like they don't do that to the white girls. Yeah. And then later they try to assault the narrator who is, you know, black. So it's like the more severe this quote game gets. Right. Or later we see um, Hawa, who is one of my favorite characters. Um, Oh, I loved Hawa. I know. She's so great. She's this girl from the village and she's so vibrant and she has all these ideas. She's a teacher right at the school. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, She's a teacher at the school. She kind of becomes like a better friend to the narrator than Tracy was. Mm -hmm. But uh, all of her vibrancy is maybe stripped away when she becomes this object for her husband. Yes, that was really sad. Yeah, this kind of religious, you know, they're uh, Muslim and they're a more conservative Muslim. Like, he has her dress a certain way and he's like, he can't dance or listen to music. But at the same time, it's what she wants. Like, uh, the narrator asks her, are you happy? And she's like, yes, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. And it's like... Mm I, okay, so I don't know if that's what she wants, and I don't think that's what she. I don't think that's how she answered when the narrator asked well, if she's I think happy. She, she says, asked, "Oh, go ahead." Go well, ahead. that's she said something like, "Oh yeah, I forget. That's what you Americans consider to be most important." Right. And I don't think she ever answers the question. Right. I think someone else says that. I think like Fern or somebody says that. Possibly, like <laughs> <laughs> everybody. Everybody was voiced by the same person. <laughs> But yeah. I was like, but I thought that that was answered, and it was sort of like, well, I didn't, I didn't trust that she was happy. I think, I don't know, right? I didn't I trust. Do really, I do agree that her like uh-huh. personality changed after she got, well, before she got married, but when she got engaged, uh-huh. and she her vibrancy was sort of constrained because before when she first meets the narrator, she's very like she's into music and she's into dance, and right? She says so she's like, I would love to be more pure, but right now I just want to like live life and right. Of, be wild and then when we come back she's met this man and she like starts wearing these shapeless dresses that the narrator says that she had first looked down upon right and she's sort of constraining herself and instead of like a big happy wedding which we all know that she would have loved she has this very small ceremony where even her like even most of her family isn't allowed to attend right so and it's like oh god happy question Uh well and then the happy question comes and i remember thinking well like she never really answered the question she sort of reflected it and I, I, I did fall, like, I totally agree, but I think that this, this turned that on the head too, because Hala isn't, she isn't an ignorant character and she isn't, um, like, ultimately I don't think her will was overtaken. Like, I think it was her will to be religious with this guy. Like, I think she really did buy into all of it mm-hmm. and it, ultimately it is what she wanted like she wanted to live this life she really wanted to be religious she like uh i think someone says like oh she traveled around like you know becoming part of this religion she got to preach she got to listen people were listening to her and it's like even though it wasn't it isn't what i would pick for myself like i'd Mm -hmm. be like oh i don't want to do that for her i think it was the statement of independence like she got to leave the village like she didn't have to live under her grandparents her grandmother's uh, direction. She uh, she said something about her husband singing Marley songs, and she was like, "But together we're gonna like commit to this religion." And I actually saw that as her exerting herself 
and saying, choosing that that this is the way she wants to live her life um, over what she was before. And like I said, while it wasn't, isn't what I would want to do. And it definitely, I think, um, you know, it's kind of questionable. I had to kind of take myself out of it and be like, okay, well, she was committing to something else. If she was like, oh, I'm going to be a vegetarian, even though I love (laughs) like this pork or I'm going to do this or that. Like, is it really, can I really say that she's not being independent if this is the most power she's ever had? Like, it's not what I would pick, but so, uh, you know, I thought that that was kind of a weird dynamic. Like, is she being used? Is she being objectified? Or is she really coming into her own? And what she wants is not what I would want for her, you know? Yeah. And I guess my fear was mainly, not that he would, I guess, controlling him, but like, he was, I was like, is this guy a extremist? Because the way it's described, like, he spends all his time watching these videos in Arabic Mm -hmm. that he can't even understand of men training with, like, weaponry in Afghanistan. So, like, I don't really know where that went, but I was a little concerned. I think that was the brother. So there were two guys. Weren't they friends, though? They were friends, but her husband actually did, I think, speak Arabic. And it was kind of like, again, it walked that line. It's like, is this extremism? Well, they haven't really done anything like they're just watching yeah, it's, it's no different i thought than like uh you might have a friend who's like a baptist or something and they're reading the bible and it's like you know it's it's what you're doing i can't really make a decision for you and as long as you're not i mean it's what you're doing you're wearing short pants you're putting ash on your own sure whatever like <laughs> i guess like there's just so many unanswered questions yeah in this book, and it's yeah. like things happen with characters and you don't know and they're never really resolved, so you're right. left with a lot of open-endedness. Right. I will say, like, one thing that did come up a lot in the book was, like, this thing of tribes and, like, how everyone has their people. Mm-hmm. Like, Amy, I think, what did she do the very first day she meets Amy, or maybe it's, like, the first week, She, um, the narrator is wearing a shirt from another band. Right. And, like, the narrator's like, that's fine. Like, you're just not one of my people. You're not my tribe. Even though I think you can tell she is really pissed off by it. Right. I did not enjoy Amy. Oh, my God. Can we talk about... <laughs> Can we talk about Amy? Like, she was kind of a mess, and I need, like, I I don't know. I really just wanted more Tracy and would have rather not had to deal with Amy and her. But she was also very accurately portrayed, I will say that. That's true. Madonna was to go to Africa right now and open a school, I feel like. And steal a baby. And steal a baby, (laughs) which she may have actually also done. I feel like this is how it would happen. Yeah. Oh, my God. So Amy is some kind of an Australian pop star um, Mm -hmm. who... Like, comes to the radio station, and the radio station burns down. There are, like, a lot of buildings that burn down in this book. So the radio station burns down, and then she calls up. She's like, hey, remember that brown girl? She's going to come work for me. Which, at first, um, I was like, what? But then later, you see, she kind of collects black people. Yes. Like, she took a baby, which we'll get to. And she, she took, took a this, lover. Yeah, this black guy, Lamin as her lover and she took um the narrator as her like pseudo best friend pseudo like younger sister but really assistant person to kick one she's down her personal yeah her personal assistant yeah so she she is one of those people who collects i think other cultures um because she speaks with an american accent 
Um, I think they say, and that's why people get confused about her nationality. Her nationality. Um, so yeah, what, what were your thoughts on Amy? I thought Amy sort of just reminds me of, um, like, I think the very telling characteristic is when they describe how she started hanging out with all of these Silicon Valley people. Uh, and because that inspired her, she wanted to sort of, like, attach that to her. So she does the school because she gets motivated by this movement to end global poverty. Right. She's like, I'm going to build this school. And it's full of, like, she names it the Illuminated African Girls or something really jargony that comes from one of her songs. Right. And so she goes and she builds this thing and then she leaves and sort of leaves it in the hands of Vern, the project manager who handles the day-to-day stuff. Mm -hmm. And she sort of checks in on it throughout the years. And then she starts hanging out with these Silicon Valley types and then she decides that technology is the way of the future. She's going to give all these girls laptops and she doesn't think through the practicality of this. She doesn't think about the expense or like (laughs) the fact that they have no electricity. (laughs) That's right. Like she doesn't think through it. It's like, it's just sort of gets slapped onto her school and then from there, she, her next big idea is like, oh, we're going to do health now. Like, women's health is our thing. And I think, like, her, her whole personality is she just sort of flits from whatever catches her fancy to the next thing that catches her fancy. And it's right. sort of like, she's not very permanent or reliable. Right. And so, really, the idea of her running the school and having any sort of noble means behind it rings very false. Like, this is just the thing she's doing with these girls and all these things, because it's something that keeps her occupied. Right. It's a project she can work on. Right. She doesn't really care. It's sort of like, I don't really feel like I totally forgot at points that she had like a family and children because of no importance. It seems in her life, except for towards the end where she holds a birthday party for one of them. Right. And she's like hella judgmental about these kids because, um, so the narrator starts talking about her own mother um, and her mother struggles to get an education as a young mom, you know, a young woman with a child and the issues that she faced with that. And then Amy is like, oh, man, she says something so biting and ignorant and self-righteous. She's like, well, my kids are my inspiration. And oh, I just yeah. think that women who have that excuse, like they can't do X, Y, and Z because they have kids or like lazy or this or that. And then the narrator thinks about like all the nannies that Amy has, and she's like, "Oh, okay." And it's like she she she's the epitome of privilege. Like yes, she is yeah, privilege. She from is her money to her race. Um, like she she just and everything. I think the NPR review sort of touched on that. Like she thinks that if everyone heard her personality and her like perseverance they could all succeed right but she doesn't realize it's more complicated than that right she's like oh well you know i'm raising these kids and i'm going all around the world and i get to work out for two or three hours every morning (laughs) but it's like but that means that someone else is like you know raising your kids and handling your books and running your school like the only thing she ever has to focus on is amy because everyone else is doing all the hard work for her. I think there's a line, um, the narrator says that she and Fern and Lamin and Judy, like wade through all the, um, the tangles so that Amy can float on the shore. And right. I was like, damn, you're kind of right about that. Like, that's a really, it reminds me of that expression. Life. Like, you know, when people try to motivate others, it's like you and Beyonce have the same number of hours in a day. It's like, like, but Beyonce, yeah, but like Beyonce has a full staff. Like Beyonce has Julius. Like 
Beyonce has like someone to like make sure Blue is eating like organic. Yeah. Beyonce has someone to go to the grocery store for her. Like exactly. Like yeah, give me a full staff and I can also work out for five hours a day. Right. And, and, and I can do flawless. my lemonade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like not to say that there's no talent because um and maybe that's an interesting thing about um amy as well is that she's not that talented she's not um, she's just i think she's like a Katy perry right especially compared to tracy who doesn't who has natural talent or um even the narrator with her singing who are naturally talented because they don't have the money or the staff um they're they're like the natural talent isn't isn't going to carry them through yeah so i don't know i was just I feel like, I, don't, I feel very distant from this book, from other books we've read. Mm. And I feel like I did not like the Amy parts at all. And they sort of felt like filler. And I think the New York Times <laughs> called it that too. <laughs> the New York Times called it filler. And I was like, oh. And I feel like, um, I feel like she's telling two very different stories mm-hmm. with two very different, like she wants to make, she wants to say two different things. And like the Tracy parts are saying one thing. They're talking about friendship. The mother part says one thing. It's about mothers and daughters and those relationships. And then the Amy parts say something different. Mm-hmm. So that all together, I don't feel like there's one unified. Like, the, I don't can't figure out what the thing this book is trying to say. Yeah. Like what one thing. Like, if you had to pin it down to what is this book? Is it about class and race? Yeah, well, that's very general, though. What is it saying about class and race? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I think when I... When I read it, I just thought of it as separate stories, like separate interconnected stories. And that That's just helped. Way, yeah, that helped. When I stopped trying to look for too many connections and I thought this is a story of this girl's life and these are the women who influenced her life and how mm-hmm. they shaped her. Um, that, I think, helped me enjoy the book more than trying to find a unifying theme because I don't think that there was one. I think that they connect sometimes, but... I just think it's the story of these strong women, um, the mother, Tracy, Amy, Hawa. I think it's the story of these strong, these women with strong personalities, the mother, who I also don't think had a name, um, uh, Amy, Hawa, and Tracy. I I couldn't remember seeing it. She may not have a name because none of the reviews I've looked at named her. She's right. always just the narrator's mother. Right. Yeah, I don't think she had a name either, which is kind of a weird choice. It's like, how many unnamed people are you going to have? He was also the, the prominent activist, or what was his name? Oh, yeah, what the prominent the activist. The noted activist. The and you know what? I don't think the father had a name either. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's very true. There are a lot of unnamed people in this book. Yeah. And I guess that's fine, but I guess it had been so heavily... Mark, like everything I read, and maybe they're just stealing the PR maybe. copy, which is probably what happened. Like the publisher sent out this PR piece and all the reviews started. Like they just kept talking about how it was a story of like dance and these two girls and their friendship. And uh, yeah, but that's like, a, it's just one of the chocolate chips on this right. And like, Right. This <laughs> is more, I think, a story about how women can shape interact. the world around them. Mm-hmm. how their and wills their can yeah their relationships to one another and how they can be of like define their own lives and i think that the narrator 
like she is a standout because she's just kind of going along to get along until the very end where she makes a decision and then she becomes a more vibrant, interesting person. Yeah, she does. That's yeah. That's you think about it. Sending. So she contacts a tabloid about the baby that Amy may have stolen. Oh, Amy definitely stole that baby. She did definitely. I may have, like I said, I may have fallen asleep, <laughs> but she has a baby. And then, like, she contacts a tabloid, and yeah. then, so then they have to clean up the mess. They're right. Sort of like, well, no, the the parents wanted. That's why I guess where I was confused because when I I remember the parts where they I guess they had the parents on a TV interview saying like, well, we needed the money, we want our child to be raised. But no, she definitely stole the baby. Yeah. So I think it even goes back a little bit farther than that. I think that the narrator starts actually making her own decisions when she decides to sleep with Lamin who is the young lover of Amy. Oh, that's right. But he's like trying to, I mean, he's like looking around. He's like, I'm from this village. I'm super poor. And this woman is like hella rich. So if she has like, you know, she wants to bring me up, that's fine. And the person that he was in love with, Hawa, wasn't really feeling him. Yeah. Like she's not feeling him. And then she gets married. So Lamin is kind of like, you know, I gotta, I gotta look out for Lamin. So <laughs> he starts sleeping with Amy, but he's not really satisfied because he wants kids and she doesn't want any more kids. So the narrator's like, you know what? I think I'm going to sleep with Lamin because I'm bored. So she sleeps <laughs> with him, even though she knows that it's going to piss Amy off. And it does piss Amy off. And then Amy fires her. Oh yeah, her. And then they sort of freeze her out. Yeah. Right. Um, and then in retribution, she decides to release, um, the information that this adoption was not legal. So they go to the village and they're standing in this little house and they see this beautiful little like three day old baby and they're looking at her and this baby has like magic powers (laughs) to make everyone fall in love with her. So then the narrator leaves and she thinks it's over. And then a couple of days, like a week or you know, a month later, she's at home Amy's out somewhere. She's at home with the nanny and she hears the nanny singing. And she's like, what? And she goes upstairs and she sees this baby is all of a sudden here. So she's like, well, I know international adoptions can take months and months and months. And Ah. this happened in like a couple weeks. So then she goes and she's talking to another assistant, like a lower ranked assistant who's kind of dumb. And she's like, oh, well, Amy, let me be there when they signed the adoption paper. And I took a picture of it. So she reads the adoption contract and she sees that essentially she paid like a large amount of money for this baby. And the parents bought a baby. She bought a baby. Yeah. And the parents turned the baby over. And then, you know, that is a despicable thing to do because Again, it goes back to black women being objectified. Like Amy Mm -hmm. wanted this little doll, so she bought her just like the doll with the father. Right. So then um, she releases the contract to show how much money they paid and um, uh, all hell breaks loose. And then Judy reveals who she is. That's where Tracy comes in with the video to say, oh, she's don't listen to her. Look what she did when she was five. (laughs) which i still don't understand how that hurts anyone's career and then tracy is like being a troll and saying they're part of the illuminati because the school is illumination so you know all these things and then um uh they find the parents because the parents take their money and peace out because again this village is very poor and then they're like yeah we everything was fine it was a real adoption and the president because he's corrupt makes up fake papers to show that no it was a real adoption 
and then they kind of are able to go forward with it. Yeah. Oh boy, that ending. There was a lot happening in that ending. Yes. There was a I lot. I felt like the bit was like the middle part was a little overly long and if they had trimmed out some of that and just fleshed out the ending a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have been as confused. <laughs> I'm confused about this whole book readers, <laughs> listeners. I'm sorry. I am of no use on this podcast. This is like me. the flip of, cause I felt <laughs> like with, uh, <laughs> we love you, Charlie Freeman. I was like, what the fuck is happening in this book? I don't understand it. You were like, let me walk you through it. <laughs> Well, it's like, I just, I just never realized how dependent I am on like, yeah, this has been a learning experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, mm-hmm. which I, I don't know. And I'm trying to think, oh, I did want to bring this up. There is one character I disliked more than <gasps> Who? Rakim. Because <laughs> he was an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> so like, I guess while she's in college, our narrator starts <laughs> dating this guy named Rakim and he's very like activist in a way only a college like student can he's a hotel yes that's the perfect word that's what he is Uh and he like he like humiliates the narrator i think she says she like is talking about the history of tap dance and he basically humiliates her for finding like for liking this thing that has its roots in enslaved africans and he's sort of just like an asshole and yeah he's like a five percenter yeah (laughs) which isn't even from what I know, I thought it was like the ten, like the talented tenth. Is that what he's coming from? No. Like whole- so he is talking about this type of um, religious belief where, um, and I don't know. My brother is explaining this to me once, and I think Jay Z is one of these. <laughs> um, why he calls himself Hova, right? Is because uh-huh. they think that they are actual literal gods, and they think that um, you know a certain percentage of the population. And it, it, it is usually black males are gods. So they have all these responsibilities to the world. And part of it is this, um, you know, women have a place and that place is to procreate and take care of, you know, children yeah. and wear their hair natural and really support the man because the man is god like he's an actual god but then there are other people that are trying to keep them down like again i i if i am like saying anything offensive because i know that this is an actual real belief for people like please correct me but this is my understanding of it um well rakim the character was just like he was just every bit of like i have all this knowledge and i'm going to use it to be to act superior but i'm not going to actually do anything right so like for all the call to help better the world he didn't do any of it he just ran around proclaiming that oh yeah we're we're good we need to like look at how they've kept us down and all this other stuff but then he didn't actually do anything either to help others right or to like and it's like well then shut up dude i don't care you're not doing anything and the hilarious thing to me is that he keeps like putting the narrator down because he's like well that must be that white blood in you that's making yeah. you be so bougie and want to act like a man and have your own opinions it's that white blood it's that white blood and then at the graduation she breaks up with him they go see something and he's like a jackass and they break up and then at the very, at graduation the mother comes and by this point she's a politician she's pretty well known so the narrator says this white woman runs up to her and she's like, oh my goodness, you're such an inspiration. And oh, my son just graduated. And she kind of like, the narrator kind of looks around the mother and she sees Rakeem there. And it's like he has a white mother. <laughs> oh, I totally missed that detail. Yeah. There's some low key hilarious. hilarious parts to this book. Like this is, 
This is why I feel I need to reread it. I would I reread it. Judgment. I would reread it because some of the yeah. things are so funny. Like, um, the mother, she reads like, you know, children, like these impoverished brown ch- children don't get the right nutrients in their diet. So she's like, I'm going to start a garden. I'm going to start a garden. So she goes out and she's like digging. Like, I don't know why that followed this like so hilarious. She's like digging up the lawn and everyone who comes by to tell her anything. She like outsmarts them or just like stares at them until they go away. But it turns out that the soil, like an inch underneath is all clay. Oh, clay. So then they start making pots. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, it was always my intention that these children should have clay to do like, um, to do to pottery. pottery. Or at the very end, like, the mother gets cancer, um, and so she's in hospice with Alan Pennington. And so she's kind of talking about, you know, how she raised um, the daughter, the narrator, and the regrets that she had, especially towards Tracy, which I want to get back to in a second. But um, uh, she's like, yeah, maybe I just coddled you too much. Maybe I what? Just- <laughs> laughing when I read that because she had like she just had this idea of who she was and it just wasn't like it just wasn't I was like girl no it wasn't that she loved this girl too much (laughs) it wasn't that she was too protected no it wasn't that I do love like the individual characters and the individual relationships he had like Mm -hmm. I loved reading her about Tracy I just like if these had been three separate well maybe not Amy I really don't care about Amy but if these had been like separate books like the narrator and Tracy the narrator and her mother right I probably would have loved it if there were I'm trying to remember what you said about the vignettes so I may reread it like that yeah yeah, I would have just loved it more if you could think of this as just her relationship to these women to the Mm -hmm. mom to Tracy to Hawa to Amy like, I think that that makes it kind of clearer than trying to look for it. Because I don't think that there is an overlapping uh, a through line for this. Like, it, right. they keep talking about it should have been dance. Like, and I think it should have been dance because that's... It, what is the title after? <laughs> right. But the, that doesn't that doesn't connect all the stories, I don't think. Um, yeah, the dancing is interesting, mm-hmm. too, because I feel like it was supposed to be, like, it's the title of the book. Right. It's mentioned in everything. Like dance is supposed to be the thing that unites, but really it's dance is only really that important between the relationship with her and Tracy. Her right. mother sort of puts her in dance sort of to help enrich her education. Right. But then she gets like, bored of it real quick. Yeah. Like she, and then like, I guess the narrator has flat feet. Right. So she's like, well then I guess you need to take you out of dance. Like you're never going to be good at it. So I do it. Right. And then Amy dance should be more, like it should be more prominent there because she's a pop singer and right. you know, she dances. You think it would be more mentioned there, but it's really just sort of a side thing. Right. I don't know. I guess I'm struggling to find, I guess I'm struggling to like get this head, get the story in my head uh, and the combination of it being very nonlinear and me not being able to like consume it in a way I normally do consume literature mm-hmm. has me more thrown off than normal. I see. Yeah. It would be a hard book. I think too. If you are not, um, if like audio books aren't your preferred, um, like delivery method, then this is a hard one to start with. Yeah. Like I would go back and listen to, cause I told you I've read, I've read and also listened to, um, and we bring this book up every time, but <laughs> even though we said we did it, um, uh, oh, um, the one we, Sugar? 
No, no, not Queen Sugar. Another Brooklyn? Another Brooklyn. So go back and listen to Another Brooklyn um, because I think that that is like a really good example of audio narration. I, I, I mean, but that book is so wonderful. <laughs> That's still like my number one. I thought there'd be some competition between it and this one. I'm like, no. See, I, I really liked... I mean, I know that you wanted to talk about kind of like our end of year readings. This is our December. So um, maybe this is a good time to talk about, look back at the books that we've read um, and then talk about the books that we read this year and maybe our end of year reading goals. Yeah. Okay. And then, well, do you want to say that for next month? For next month? The end of the year reading goals. I think we can. Uh Uh-huh. I thought we would, like, I thought that we, I guess, so next month we're going to talk about books we've read that we have not yet had a chance to oh, discuss. I thought you wanted to do it this month. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, okay. I thought we would do this one, and then instead of picking a book for the next time, uh, okay. we would just, that whole episode would be more. Yeah, that's fine. Like, about books. But I do think we could take a break, since this is the last book we've read of the year. Uh-huh. I think it would be interesting to compare, like, so we've only done, like, four. Yeah, we did four. <laughs> <laughs> because we started this in August. <laughs> But I think, like, if I had to rank the books we read, uh-huh. I think it would definitely be Another Brooklyn. Uh-huh. Um, I have to say, I may mean, have to say, We Love You, Charlie Freeman, uh-huh. and then Swing Time, and then Queen Sugar. Okay. I would probably say um, Another Brooklyn, then Swing Time, then Queen Sugar, then Charlie Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> You're just really thrown off of that Charlie Freeman. I just didn't like it. I think that this, okay, so I think that this is an interesting turn because I, I liked Swing Time. I would suggest mm-hmm. it. I, I really thought that there was <laughs> some interesting parts and some funny parts. Um, I could not, I could not get into Charlie Freeman. I thought it was so boring. <laughs> I'm sorry. Cause I know that it's like this girl's first book and I haven't read any books. Like, and I don't want to be like, Oh, it's a waste of time, like an effort. No, I thought that there was some interesting things in it, but it was not for me. And I think the fun swap <laughs> and then the book I was like really excited about. I'm right. like, cause I would be kind of like, I right now, I don't know if I could recommend maybe a hesitant, like, just to check it out if you're already interested in checking it out, sure. Uh-huh. But I'm kind of met on it until I read it again. Uh-huh. And I it's interesting be because, <laughs> yeah, you are the dancer and I'm kind of like the, the nerd. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting reversal that we had on these two books. I would have liked it if it had more ballet in it. Yeah. So I kind of, so like I'm a pseudo wannabe dancer <laughs> and like I would have related to the narrator because I am terrible at ballet. Mm-hmm. I like doing it. I like, I like when I go to class, I love how nitpicky in particular it is. Mm-hmm. Like I'm an editor. So like anything that gets really nitty gritty and like into the weeds, I like, mm-hmm. I'm terrible at it though. So I thought this would have been interesting to read about this character who was a dancer and was just not good at it. Mm-hmm. So, but no, that was sort of backseat yeah yeah i guess yeah another brooklyn remains though for me the strongest one yeah another brooklyn um, was just i mean it's like a dream of a book like it's yeah it's so beautifully I'm, written um I'm really sad it didn't win the national book award yeah. but i mean underground railroad was solid i will say though i love that how even the national book awards was blacker than the oscars like, i feel like every <laughs> award this year like everyone wants to show the oscars up so they're all being like as black as possible and then dinner our boy wasn't he the the uh, the host? Yeah, um, Larry Wilmore was the host. He's like, welcome to the National Book Awards oh brought God. to you by BBT. <laughs> Larry like, Wilmore. 
Larry Wilmore is like having his year. Like it is. It. Like it went down a little bit, but it, it's going up. Yeah, He's got like supervising control on some NBC shows. Yeah, Insecure came out, or, and I think he ABC. produced that. Isn't he a yeah. producer on that? That I don't know because I have to watch that after it airs because when they post it on. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Issa Rae is kind of like his like little protege. Protege. Well, I should say little because she's like out there doing big things, but she is like kind of. He was set up as her mentor when she started the whole HBO thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, black people are doing big things this year. Um, Paul Beatty obviously won. Um, yeah. We had, we, uh, I think a good and reassuring thing for us is that each month we had a number of books by black women to, to read, to pick from. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's great. And we didn't even go into genre fiction, really, which no. I would like for us to do more of coming up. <laughs> Can I say like, something? I, sure. <laughs> so I remember, I remember that after Charlie Freeman, because I picked two in a row, and then um, I was like, okay, next time you have to pick, like, it's going to be your, your pick. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to pick a romance novel, because we had talked about how I am, like, woefully inept <laughs> when you asked me what my favorite <laughs> chiclet was. I was like uh how about uh gone girl and you're like girl that doesn't count and i was like oh no so you were like oh i'm gonna pick a romance novel next time i was like okay okay and then i was like all set and then uh, the last episode you're like our next book is swing time and i was like that is not i was like what is swing time i just had to be like oh yeah swing time i totally know what's happening I was, I'm so sorry. I was just really excited about this book, and I, I remember know. it came out in November, and I, I was know. like, "Yes, we have to do it. We will. I'll find something. I'll yes. Find. So I don't. I guess so. I need to like do a survey on you before I find a romance novel. To okay. Like I need to know how comfortable you are with like reading certain things. <laughs> well, you recommended that one to me, and it was like Slavery Days, and the girl runs away. <laughs> yeah. And I was forbidden. like forbidden, and I was like, yeah. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I got like halfway through and I was like, I was so confused. Well, I did just finish one that's going to be a new release. It was by Alyssa Cole. Okay. Um, and it's like a new release. And it's, I got an advanced reader copy, like my first. Ooh. It's going to be a new release in March. So it's ah. interesting. She's a spy for okay. the Union Army. Oh. So that one could be interesting. Yeah. I was going to talk about that one a bit more next next month. Okay. But, um, yeah, I'll find. So now that I know that you set that bar <laughs> and you expect a romance novel. <laughs> I, I'm going to meet that goal. Okay. Maybe we'll do a romance novel for January. Okay. I'll just find one. <laughs> I'll look into it. Yeah, so I think a goal of our ne- ours next year is to do more um, genre fiction. Yeah, because you- there's also a lot of memoirs coming out. Oh, now that like, is something tra- I'm completely unfamiliar with. Yeah, like like Taraji has a memoir. Oh. Um, Round the Way Girl. Mm-hmm. And um, Phoebe Jackson, or yeah, I think it's... Phoebe Robinson, mm-hmm. I don't know where Jackson came from. The You Can't Touch My Hair. I bought oh, that on Audible. Oh, yeah. I've seen yeah. that. But yeah. Yeah. So I definitely have some blind spots that um, Danielle's going to help me work through <laughs> next year. Remember, I'm trashy. She's classy. So that's the reason why I'm too busy reading. <laughs> like, I still haven't read Americana. So. Yeah. You know what? This book reminded, and maybe that's why I was a little more receptive to it, to Swing Time, because I read Americana. And it's very, it's, they have a lot of similarities. Like it's this young girl coming from kind of a smaller place. Like in Americana, she's coming from, you know, this neighborhood. Both of them are coming from these neighborhoods, you know. Um, And then they go off to work for a white person or be entangled with a rich white person somehow. And then 
um, you know, their worlds are, they kind of have to reject that and come back to their roots and all these things. This was, I'm sorry, Chimurande, this was done much better than Americana was. <laughs> Americana is not a bad book, but I think that Ephemelu, who is the the narrator of that book, there are just some things that are like straight out of Tumblr. Like there's this scene where her white boyfriend like comes in and he sees her reading like, I think like black hair. Oh, um, her white boyfriend comes in and sees her reading like black hair sophisticate or, or what is it? Um, oh, it's like um, uh, a jet or ebony or something like a black centered um, magazine. And then he's like, well, I don't understand why you need to just have a black magazine. And so she's like, okay, let's, and then they go to Barnes and Noble, like right then. And she pulls out all these like fashion magazines and she's like, look at these. What do you see? And he's like, I don't know. And then she's <laughs> like, uh, she separates them into, um, magazines that have black women on the cover and magazines that have white women on the cover. And then she's like, how many is it? And there's like 20 with white women and like, two with black women and she's like that's why we need to have black centered magazines because there's underrepresentation and like mm-hmm. i get what you're saying but this passage was so on the nose <laughs> like who's gonna she, like, literally takes him to the bar she literally like, takes him to the newsstand and it's like a sociology lesson like <laughs> And it's like, these are two people who are supposed to be having sex and supposed to be like having that <laughs> intimacy. And it's like this, this, this lesson. And it's kind of like, was there no better way that you could have said that? Like, was there no better way that you could have shown that this is a problem without getting so explicit, explicit? And, yeah. Like, are they really going to drop everything and <laughs> like, go to the store right then and there. And I think that that book isn't as examined as this one is because she's very judgmental about her aunt who marries this rich guy and um, that she gets with the rich guy who's like paying for everything. And she's like, well, white people do this and they do that. And it's like, but you, girl, your apartment, a rich white man is paying for it. Like, how are you so, how do you never <laughs> you examine your own life? There. Oh, Sorry. Um, I still see it on mine, so I think it's fine on mine. Like, I'm watching the okay. levels. Um, so I guess, okay. yeah, with editing, we'll just see where, where it what goes in up. and out. Yeah. But so I think that the, that swing time at least did a better job of recognizing the main character's own hypocrisy and where she is, um, like not, like she, she just thinks about her, her own role, however small it is in this story more than, than if Amelie did in Americana. So it, it could be an interesting read, especially after reading Sling Time because they're very similar. But I think that maybe that's why I connected to this book more because I wanted to read a coming of age story of a black girl. Um, I, yeah, I was just looking for that. Like, you've been wanting that since we picked another Brooklyn. So I, I'm glad you finally found it. I love coming of age stories. I really do. Like I was talking to my boyfriend about watching mermaids the other day. And he was like, you like that? I was like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like I like mermaids. We, we went and saw Moana. Oh, I was like, this is so adorable. Is it? And it, yes. Everyone go see Moana. It's very cute. The music's good. And she like, it's very much like. There was a moment in the movie, this is really off topic, but I guess I'm reminding now, but there's yeah. like a moment in the movie, and this doesn't give too much away, whoop, where 
That was my phone. There's a moment in the movie, and this doesn't give too much away, where, like, she feels like giving up, uh-huh. because every Disney character always feels like giving up, uh-huh. that's part of the journey. And, like, the one of the other characters is like, you know what, that's okay, and if you do, and when you come back home, we'll be here to support you. Like, that's kind of nice to, like, it was just really nice to see, have, like, that quiet moment where it's like, you can, she's, she had done a lot by that point. She had, like found the demigod and done all these other amazing things and it's like so it's kind of nice to have this moment where like well you're not necessarily quitting you're you've done a lot you'll stop and when you're ready you'll come back and complete what you were trying to do so i love yeah. the story too i love like let me like student people on journeys yeah let me ask you something am i gonna cry when i see this movie maybe it's not like, because Disney can do some fucked up sadness. I think we all know that. Sorry, I just bombed. But like, like, because like, Up ended with some sadness, and but like, I don't think anyone straight up dies. Like, well, I think you can see it, and you may have some happy tears. Let me preface this like, by saying that I was watching, um, like, what is that BBC World or whatever show yesterday uh-huh. on YouTube. And uh-huh. a baby chick like fell out of a nest and died, oh. and I like I I sobbed so, <laughs> and I was crying. At, like I I am an easy crier, guys. So I cry at commercials. I cry at books. So <laughs> I think like there it has its moments, but okay. it's like over like the overwhelming theme is of like accomplishment and like empowerment. And mm-hmm. yes, you can do this. So I think you'll. It has its moments, but it gets over them and like. It's a Disney movie. So yeah. it's like not gonna be super like if this was a, if that bird had been in a Disney movie, it would have sang a song and it would have, it would have climbed back up the tree. So yeah. yeah. Well, I just loved it and like the character design was really good. And I'm always about Disney when they decide to do princesses who aren't all white. Yeah. Because <laughs> they don't have that many of them. Yeah, I cried in uh, Princess and the Frog too. Princess and the Frog pissed me off, but I appreciate oh, because she was she was a frog the whole time. Yes, like, <laughs> she didn't get like the a dresses and everything. I was like, wait yeah. a second. I was in the theater. Remember, like, wait a minute, is she gonna be a frog this whole damn thing? We are fifteen minutes into this thing, and uh, she's, she's gonna be a frog the whole movie. Yeah, she was a frog was the like, whole time. That was kind of like, fucked up on okay, Disney's Disney. part. <laughs> okay, Disney. And then like, and then that okay. So we're really like, then that got me. So like, they fall in, like, how are they feeling attractiveness? They're frogs. Like, I don't know. Maybe he was I, into frogs. Maybe huh? he was like, you know, he was kind of <laughs> the prince. He was kind of like a go along to get along guy. He's like, well, I'm a frog now, but that doesn't mean that I can't get some. <laughs> so that also confused me. So I was like, I don't want to think too deeply onto that. Right? But, yeah, <laughs> that's so, a fair kinda, point, though. <laughs> I only like the ending when they're humans again and they get married and I'm like, okay, fine. Like, but the rest of the movie, I'm like, man, this could have been like, why couldn't you just be people? Yeah. Or at the very least, why couldn't the best friend also be black? Black. Yeah. So we could at least have one black female human running around. Like, yeah. Like, it, it wouldn't uh, have scared too many people if there were two black people in this movie. Like, I don't, I think, I, I don't know that many people saw, I don't know that it did as well as um they were hoping so i don't think that having two black people would have heard it anymore yes like the people who didn't want to see a black disney princess already didn't come to see princess and the frog so why not do something for the people who who wanted to see that like why not have more than one black character i don't know because they had set up that she had these black friends because they're all like, hey, Tiana, you work too damn much. Yeah. She's like, I'm trying to buy a restaurant. I'm like, you're going to go out. Like, that is kind they- of a theme. Like, in these coming-of-age stories, they have they have an access to a wealthy white person who kind yeah. of is 
funding. Yeah, it happened in this book with Amy. It happened in Americana with uh, the boyfriend. And it happened in Princess Princess of the Frog with, I don't remember the girl's name. Yeah, Charlotte. So... She buys all the beignets, which gives her the money to go buy her restaurant. Right. I don't know. That's a weird theme in Black coming-of-age stories that I don't quite... And, you know, in Swing Time, at least, like, the Black best friend is pushed aside for this other story. Like, Tracy, we didn't even talk about what happens to Tracy. She has some kids, and then she bullies the Illuminati, and then she kind of just goes away. Um, well, yeah, like, I don't know what happens to her other than she comes back and she has all these babies. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe we weren't as off topic as we (laughs) thought we were. (laughs) Well, because it's funny, like, because I think my favorite, like, the best Black princess we've had so far is that one version of Cinderella that (laughs) Disney did in 1998 with Brandy. Like, that remains the best, like, Black Disney, like, Black princess story Disney has ever done, or Black story, period. I don't know how many other ones they've done, but, like, that one is weird beginning because they were completely blind on casting. So she's black, but she has like a white stepmother who has a white daughter and a black daughter. And then the prince is Filipino and his mother, his father is Victor Garber and his mother is Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> so the movie is just blind casting all the way. But in that one, at least like Whitney Houston is the fairy god. Right. And so the relationship between them, it does stay they're sort of like strong. Because it would have been a bit too much if it was like. The white, a white, I think, white godmother saving this poor little black child. Yeah. And maybe they were aware of that. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I would be interested I mean, I think- to see if you are listening to our voices, like, what you think about, <laughs> about black coming-of-age stories. Like, what are some of your favorite ones? What are... Do you see some of these other trends? Um, are we, like, totally off topic right now? Well, because now I'm trying to think of one where like they're either empowered on their own or at least it's other members of the community helping them and i'm right. sure they're out there um well ease bayou is the first one that comes to me and uh. that one ends terribly so it's not just <laughs> you i do love eve's bayou yeah. that's good... <laughs> oh man it's um earlier for me than it is for danielle so um, my brain's still waking up trying to think of other or maybe this is just telling like i didn't really well, well, because even mm-hmm. Charlie Freeman, uh-huh. it's the researchers who are bringing them up. Yeah. I guess I guess as much as we talk about Queen Sugar, you know what? Girlfriend did do it on her Girlfriend own. Girlfriend did everything. Like, <laughs> Charlie was doing her- everything in spite of... Everyone actively trying to take shit away. You know what? She actively did it. trying to take things away from her. Her father gave her the land, and her white boyfriend wasn't really much there to help out with the... It was her and old the old man. Oh, man. Like, he brought, so you know uh, he brought her some uh, some crawdads. That counts right. Are you when still he, watching that show? No, I never started, because I don't have cable. I, I watched and the I second episode. I know, it's... Well, I don't want to admit to anything illegal, <laughs> but um, yeah, I watched that second episode and I got so confused. I really need, there are, like Danielle said, we're going to talk about our to be completed pile next month, but that is yeah. definitely, definitely on the list for me. So I think, yeah, I think this has been a nice long episode. I think we talked about. We talked about a lot this episode. We did. We were much more cash. We were much more cash. We were much more cash. Which, Maybe. Which I don't mind. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, I think part of it is making connections to, 
you know, I was a literature major, you were a journalism major, like they're always saying like, look around you, look at different media, like make these connections, which I think that this book definitely has, you know, and maybe as we go forward, we're going to see more of these connections and be able to make more of them and think about how, like these books don't exist in a vacuum. So it's good to talk about them in relation to how black women are being portrayed and how they're telling their stories in other areas. Yeah. And we'll figure out our flow. I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. I mean, like, at least one person is listening, right? Hi, Mom. (laughs) So, I guess guess we could save our normal, like, what we're reading for next month. Or do you just want to end with what you're reading? Yeah, let's end with what we're reading. That's, like, our call, you know? If this is our tribe, then our welcome and our our call to one another is, what are you reading? So, you want to start? Yeah, I am currently reading. I'm super behind, but I had to wait for the... The paperback. I'm currently reading Black Panther. So, and it's got a lot of, for like, since we're talking about black women and stories, Mm -hmm. like these first few books, like are very much centered on like the experiences of black women and the sufferings, particularly Mm. like how black women suffer. So Ah. I'll go into that once I finish it next month. Can I say that this, this whole episode has been total bizarro world because you're reading a comic (laughs) book and I'm reading Stephen King. Like, (laughs) (laughs) This is the opposite day podcast. This is opposite day podcast. Like this is blow my mind. Um, so I've been reading it, um, because I like, you totally shame me when you're like, genre fiction has a place. And I'm like, you're right. I'm being bougie. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, let me try to read some genre fiction that is like out of my wheelhouse. Cause I don't typically read horror. Uh-huh. Um, and so I had read Langoliers a while ago and I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> so I was like, I remember you'd been reading Stephen King before. So I was like, let me start where they're saying it's good. So I started reading it and oh my God, like I was reading it one night and I got totally freaked out and me and my cat were like sitting on the couch. I was like, what is that? <laughs> it's Pennywise. Oh my God. But it, it's, it's, it's good. And it really is fitting with kind of the times that we're in. Um, if you haven't read it, it's, it's about a lot of things. Like it's about racism and bigotry and homophobia and how these things kind of, you know, give rise to this evil clown entity. And I was like, oh my God, it's Trump. like i'm sure someone out there can say this more succinctly than me but i was like oh man dairy is america pennywise is trump oh my god what's happening i'm equally as scared of both of them yeah 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 so i think i've seen the movie it i don't think i've read the book and that's one i need to read and i've read a lot of stephen king Mm -hmm. um if you wanted to read another one misery i think is much better as a book than the movie was really much it's much freakier. Really? Even with Kathy Bates playing, um, what's her name? I think Misery is much creepier. And I love Misery. I quote that at least once a week when she talks about, <laughs> um, you know, the car going over the cliff and that's not how that happened. I quote mm-hmm. that scene a lot. So maybe yeah. that'll be my next read. Maybe next month I'll be talking about um, how you got me to read Misery. Sweet. Well, alrighty, that's the end of our Bizarro episode. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see what I have when I'm done editing because of our <laughs> minor audio issues. Yeah, yeah. But we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, let us know what you thought. If you read Swing Time, if you think that we were being too harsh, or if you think that we're being too praising, or 
you know, you read Queen Sugar or, or watching <laughs> Queen Sugar and want us to relook at it, just let us know. Um, and again, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate um, you giving us a chance. Yep. And you can find us on Twitter at Black Chick Lit and on the web at blackchicklit.com. Yeah. So yeah, thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you.